Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. I love him, don't you? If you have your Bibles, open them up with me for a few moments. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Don't quit playing. Play a little bit with me. (laughs) I might preach and I might not. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Go with me for a few moments to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59. Isaiah, chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59, I'm going to begin reading at verse 19, Isaiah 59, verse 19. I'm going to read a few passages of scripture. For some, it may be a familiar area. I want to speak to you from this, this particular text this morning. Isaiah chapter 59, it says this, so they shall, so, so so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. I love that. Well, people don't know there's a day coming that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Come on, that Jesus Christ is Lord. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Hmm. The Redeemer will come to Zion to those that turn from transgressions in Jacob, says the Lord. And as for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor or your children nor from the mouth of your children's children, says the Lord from this time and forevermore. I want to talk to you this morning just for quickly. I got to figure out how to do this. God will help me. If you want to put a title on this, I want to call it This Floods for You. This Floods for You. Thank you. As all of us have witnessed over the last week or so and even prior to then, if you took the opportunity to peek at any news, I hope not too much, (laughs) but you would see how many across our nation, especially particularly the southeast and even the northeast, have suffered the devastations and the destructions from Hurricane Ida. Many displaced homes, damaged cities, as you see pictures of them, a heart breaks just for all those and, 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 and have some friends that have been affected by this and people that I talk to. But you see pictures of some, in some places, the water's high as the mailbox and some covers all their vehicles. In many other places, the water is up above or even to the roofs of a lot of houses. In this particular, they said that it, this particular storm, Ida had record flooding. That the flooding from this particular storm is what caused so much of the destruction. 
the aftermath of it, and many even now who are still suffering. They also said that this, at this point, is considered the sixth costliest hurricane that has hit the United States. I was thinking about all those who have been, in some form or fashion, affected by those floods. I do realize that in a few weeks, and we've seen cities and communities bounce back, that, that some weren't hit as bad as others. Some, after this point, will recover, and some are scratching their head right now saying, what in the world that we're going to do because of the devastation, the destruction, and the loss that they face? And as I was thinking and, and watching this flood and how these cities and people have been impacted, my mind came to this particular text this week because I realized that and I don't minimize, if you have family members or friends or even here, I'm not minimizing it, and I don't want to seem insensitive. But I also realize that not just a flood in the natural that has hit our nation or hit our world, that many people are dealing with disasters of various forms. Disasters that are taking lies from them. Disasters that are devastating homes. I began to think about those who have received horrible doctor's reports and seemingly have no hope that you've been diagnosed with a certain terminal disease and only so long to live. I thought about disasters. People are facing floods, floods of depression, floods of suicide, floods of anxiety, floods of worry. Floods of fear flooding our nation like crazy. Floods, financial floods. Talk to businessmen and people that are in business flooding, needing uh, uh, positions filled and needing people to work and needing jobs to be filled. And, and many of them are in places in business that they've never been before. Flooding. Can't help but wonder, what, what, what's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Flooding with bitterness. Flooding with anger, with resentment. Flooding with divisiveness and deceit. And what you got to realize is this. <laughs> that you may be here today, and you may be in some type of flood. You may have found yourself in a situation and circumstance that you're wondering, am I ever going to get out of this? Am I ever going to come through this? Am I ever going to make it? I want you to want to remind you, especially those here that are of faith, and I believe that the majority of us are, but you got to recognize and realize that we can never fool ourselves to think that just because we're saved, just because we're followers of Christ, just because we love the Lord, that we are exempt from troubles, hardships, and struggles. I don't know where the lie comes in. I don't know where the myth comes in. I don't, I don't know where, 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 where the mentality comes in that says, just because Jesus is Lord of my life, then everything is supposed to, is supposed to be perfect. Jesus himself in John 16, said, in this world, you will have tribulations. There's going to be struggles, church. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be trials and adversities. 
that we all face. The Bible says in Job 14 chapter, Job chapter 14 verse 1 that man that is born of a woman is a few days, listen, and full of trouble. We have an adversary whose assignment is revealed in John 10.10 who said, the thief come not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal lives, destroy lives, kill families, kill home. That is his mode of operation. That is his desire. Psalms 37 put it like this. It said, that, watch this, the enemy watches the righteous. Listen to that. And seeks to slay him. The enemy sits back and look at your life and look at my life and look at our family and our marriages and our children and everything that involves us. And he seeks to slay. In other words, he is strategizing. How can I take her out? How can I take him out? What plan, what plot, what scheme can the enemy bring against to destroy them? I want to remind you that as we come near and near to the closing of this age, and I know you hear it and you've heard it for years, but I believe that we may be near than we ever been near before. But the Bible tells us in, in Revelation chapter 12, it said, woe unto you, the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil comes down, listen, with great wrath. You know why? Because he knows he has but a short time. The enemy knows that the clock is ticking. The enemy knows that it's a matter of time before the fulfillment of the word of God and the Bible and the book of Revelation where that he'll be chained in darkness throughout all eternity. And so his opportunity, he thinks, is right now to get as many people in bondage, as many people in darkness and deceit, which ultimately is to get them in hell to suffer with him for the rest of eternity. Stay with me. It ain't doom and gloom. Understand, I ask the question, why do people often come under attack? Because oftentimes we, 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 we want to think that it's because of some gross sin. And listen, there are consequences of sin. But realize when I think about Jerusalem and a city that's often attacked so much and so small, why is it that the enemy is after? Because of the prophetic destiny upon that little country. God's apple of his eye. Covenant people, chosen people, but guess what? So are you. And you have to understand that there is a prophetic destiny on all of our lives to accomplish and achieve, and there is an enemy that hates it and wants to do everything that he possibly can to stop it. Every one of us this morning are in the crosshairs of hell, and the enemy wants to do everything he can to destroy our lives. Watch this. Two times flooding was significant in the scripture. When they came out, outside of Noah in Genesis, but concerning the children of God or the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, the waters of the Red Sea, come on, and when they were going into the promised land, the waters of the Jordan. And I want to announce to you that you better just might expect the moment you get ready to come out of something, especially those that maybe just committed your life to Jesus Christ and you're just coming out of an old lifestyle, out of the past of your darkness and you're just coming out. Understand that the attack is not that you made the wrong decision. It's actually an indication that you made the right decision. And I want to say to those who are getting ready to step into something that you've never stepped into before, don't think the enemy is going to sit back and let you casually walk in and fulfill God's plan 
hand on your life, especially when souls are attached to it, especially when you're going to start taking territory from the devil, especially, come on, when he's going to use you to make a difference like never before. There will be opposition. Statistically, floods are one of the most devastating natural disasters. And the enemy, the scripture said, comes in like a flood. Of all the things, it describes what he wants to do to you and I. Can I get there? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pace myself because I know where I'm going. What do you mean, Javon? Because Daniel 7.25 says that in the last days, Satan plans would be to wear out the saints of the Most High. And if you read it, it said he's going to speak things against the Most High and change the laws and the times. It would be means by which he would use to wear out the saints. In other words, the enemy knows on a lot of us. I'm not going to get you to go out and cheat on your wife. I'm not going to get you by getting you to get blasted and drunk or whatever the case may be or caught up in whatever. But what I will try to do is little by little, little by little, little by little, little by little to wear you down to the point that you get weary. That word weary, it means to get to the point where you let go of what you were once holding on to. That's what he wants you to do, to wear you down to the part, to the point that you get weary and you let go of the promise. You let go of the prophecy. You let go of what God told you. You let go of the thing that you know, but he wants to wear you down. But how, Javon? When you think about flooding, there's a military tactic called, listen to this, rapid dominance. And rapid dominance is designed, listen to this, to affect the will, the perception of an individual and understanding of the adversary to fit or respond to the, to, to the attack. In other words, this rapid dominance is, is its goal, watch this, is to impose overwhelming shock and awe against his target, to seize control of the territory or the environment that the individual has, to disrupt the means of communication. Watch this. Ultimately shutting the adversaries down, ability to fight and, overpower, and overcome or fight back that which is coming against them. In other words, let me make it real for you. It's hit after hit after hit after hit, after hit, after hit. When I get done with this, then it seems like here comes that. And when I get over here with that, it seems like here comes this. This one, Just when I think I'm getting the job under control, then I get a crazy doctor report. Then when I think we're good there, I come down and, and, and get... COVID, something crazy happens. Just when I got to the point where things are going good. If it's not that, it's a family member. It's a child. It's a husband. It's a wife. It's one thing after another. And so when it said he comes in like a flood, I wrote it down like this. The enemy wants to keep bombarding us with trial after trial. He wants to come from every angle against our families. He wants to get us to the point that we can't breathe and we, want, we can't come up for air. He wants to wash away our dreams, wash away our visions, wash away our hope, 
Wash away our confidence. Wash away our passion for spiritual things. He wants to get us to the point that he drowns out our cry for help before we can even make it. Quench our desire for repentance before we even see the, the fruit of it. He wants to keep us divided and separated because he knows the power of our unity when we come together. He wants to get us to the place that we decide this right here. The battle is too hard. The problem is too big. The enemy is too strong. I don't know if I've been praying for a long time. I don't think this marriage can turn around. I don't know if my children will ever be saved. I don't know if my business will ever bounce back. I don't know. I've been praying and praying and praying, but I still can't get over battling these thoughts in my mind, this emotional overwhelming that I'm facing. I guess the best thing for me to do is just give in and give up. I can't see my way out of this. I can't think my way out of this. Everywhere I turn, there's problem, problem, problem. But I came with a word this morning, and I came to tell you that you got to read this scripture right, because there's a small, seemingly insignificant word in that text that hold promise of some good news. When the scripture said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, that word when actually as an adverb speaks of something simultaneously happen, happening at the same time. The issue is we just focus on what's happening to us, but we don't understand who's working for us. We get so concerned with the flood of the enemy and we forget about the fight of our God that's on our side. And the scripture said when the enemy comes in like a flood, that simultaneously your God is working on your behalf even then. I know it seems like nothing is changing. I know it seems like everything remains the same, but I believe in a God that works the night shift and a God that works behind the scene. I was reminded last week of something that my grandmother used to say. She said, Lord, I thank you, here it is, for the seen and the unseen. I didn't understand it when I was young. I'm like, what you, well, unseen? How are you going to think of something that you don't see, Granny? But as I got older, I realized that there are some things that God is doing behind the scene that you don't see right now with your natural eyes. I'm about to preach to somebody because everything in the natural that you see contradicts what God has spoken. But I'm telling you, you need to start thanking God right now for the unseen things. The Bible said, while, while, oh God, while Abram was going up one side of the mountain with the sacrifice of his son on the other side that he couldn't see, the Bible said that God already had a ram in the bush and could it be if you keep climbing if you keep praising if you keep worshiping God already has your ram in the bush God already has made the provision for your problem but you gotta keep going mm. the Bible said he would lift up a standard what do you mean Javon Exodus chapter 17 tells us about the war that the children of Israel had with the Amalekites and the Bible said that Moses was on the mountaintop. And the scripture said Joshua was in the valley fighting the enemy. And the story tells us that as long as Moses' hands were up, that they prevailed. But the moment his hands went down, the enemy prevailed. And the scripture said there was a point where Moses' arms got tired. And the scripture said that there came a man by the name of Aaron and Hur. 
and they noticed what was going on. And the scripture said they grabbed a stone and sit it under Moses. And they said, sit on the stone. Ooh-wee, that wasn't just any stone. If you know what stones represent, come on, and I ain't talking about getting high either. I ain't talking about getting stuff. I'm talking about the stone. I'm talking about the rock of ages. He says, sit on the rock and let us hold your arms up. And the Bible said when they began to hold up Moses' arms that the battle was turned down in the valley. What I'm trying to get you to understand, it was at that point where God wrought the victory that Moses went and built an altar and he called the altar. He said, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord God is my banner and my victory. I'm going to preach a little bit because this is why we got to understand the power of community. This is why we got to understand that you can't be so strong by yourself all the time. All of us get tired every now and then and we need an Aaron on one side. We need a hurt on one side that when we get tired, they can tell us to sit on the rock and let us hold you up until you get through. Oh, come on, somebody. On the other side. Let me hit it from another angle. Moses represent, I don't mean this, this, this in a bad way, but he represented an older generation. And in the valley was a younger generation. And what it represents was this. The older you get, don't get more lax. The older you get, you still got to keep your praise. You still got to keep your worship. You still got to keep your consecration. You still got to keep sitting on the rock. You know why? Because another generation is dependent upon it. I don't, come on somebody. That's why we said we want to be a generational church. We need the old and we need the young. It takes both. We need, come on somebody, some people that have walked through some stuff and seen some stuff and come on. The older women shall teach the younger women, the scripture said. We need older men that can teach the younger men. A whole generation was dependent upon the former generation holding their stance. We're not going to give in. We've been around too long. I've seen God do things that I can't back down on him now. I don't care how, to, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm telling you, I thank God for our seniors. I thank God for our elders. I thank God for the ones that are in this church. You just don't know for me sometimes. They've come up to me and said things to me and didn't know what I was going through and facing, but just those little words of it, come on, put something inside of me that said, keep pressing, keep going, because God's promise is true. You got to understand where am I going? I'm going to show you where I'm going because the problem is this. The emphasis has been placed on the wrong flood. We focus on the flood of what's wrong, but we haven't remembered the flood of what's right. Let me give you scripture because the Bible said this in Psalms 93, 3 and 4. It says, the floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves. Listen, he's talking about it. Number four, verse 4 said, but mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. Did you hear what I just said? 
It did not deny that the floods were coming. It did not deny that the that the waves were crashing on the individual's life. But it said, you got to understand that that flood may be against you, but you need to know that this flood is for you and this flood is mightier than the floods of the enemy. The emphasis have been on the wrong flood. And we got to remember that we have a flood that's greater than the enemy's attacks. We have a flood that's stronger than the enemy's adversities. I want to tell you, I got to get to where I'm going, that this flood is for you. The Holy Spirit is lifting up and will continue to lift up a standard. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how bad it feels. Either I believe God or I don't believe God. Either he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, or he do not exist. But I choose to believe that God is still moving. I know he's still moving. I know he's still blessing. I know he's still doing miracles. I know he's still saving and delivering. And I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit wants to do wonders in your life like never before his flooding power is unchangeable his flooding power is unconquerable when it comes to the flooding power of the Holy Spirit there's no problem too big that he can't solve there's no circumstance too difficult he can't change there's no night too dark that he can't brighten up there's no heart too broken that he can't bless I want to tell you that there's no joy too lost that he can't restore. I put it down like this. His power overthrows kingdoms. His power overruled decisions. His power overpowered legislation. His power overturned thrones. He overrides judgments. He overcomes principalities. He overwhelms establishments. Like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard for you and your family right here and now if you believe it. Listen to me. Say, this flood's for me. There's a flood for you, and I wrote this down. There's a flood for your family. What do you mean, Javon? Isaiah 44, verses 3 through 4 said this. I love this verse. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the water courses. That bless me because put it, go back to that verse. I love this. Go back to verse. Uh, and my blessing, go back again. Let me read it. Yeah. Notice this. He said, I will pour water on them that are thirsty and I'm going to flood the dry grounds. And listen, I will pour my spirit on your descendants and look at the next verse. Come on with it. And I will, and my blessing on your offspring that hit me because you know, that's talking about a family. And I thought about there's a flood for your family. There may be some dry places where people don't know God. There may be some, may be some family members who are dry, who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They may be dry and they have fallen away from God and need to come back. But I want to tell you that the flood that is for your family is greater than the flood of the enemy that is trying to destroy your family. And it blessed me because God said my heart is to pour my spirit on your children 
golden and bless your offspring. I still, come on, I want to talk to my teenagers this morning because I know in this time, I'm a parent now, I'm dealing with teenagers now, and I, I see it all, and some of you have been past me, and I might need to talk to you, but I see the flooding tax attacks of hell on our children, flooding in with lies, flooding in with deceit, flooding in trying to confuse their identity, flooding in with confusion, with depression and fear, trying to flood your lives with compromise, trying to flood your lives and tell you that, you know, it's cool to sleep around. It's okay to mess around. If you love them, it's okay. No, no, no. I love you enough and mom and dad loves you enough that those floods are lies. The enemy wants to compromise you. The enemy wants to wash your lives away and get you caught up, but you have been created for a greater purpose, and I dare to believe that we can raise up a generation that our sons and daughters shall prophesy that our children shall possess the gates of their come on parents I I refuse to sit back. God is too greater. God is too stronger. God is too mightier. I refuse to see a flood of peer pressure and a cultural compromise try to take our children out. I will fast. I will pray. I will intercede. I will eat this word like crazy and do whatever I can to stand in the gap for our children. Be seated and I'm going to be done. Give me four minutes. Somebody shout, this flood's for you. He said this. He said, number one, I'm going to give it to you quick. He said, when you're in the flood, there's something you got to do. You ready? Number one, notice what he said. He gave us several things. Number one, he said, recall God's covenant. He said, my covenant I've made with you. What do you mean? God's plan is always bigger than our problems. He said, recall my covenant. And when you talk about God's covenant, watch this. It's not the covenant that you make with God. It's the covenant God made with you. Because see, you can break your end, but he can't break his. He's bound himself to his covenant. And can I tell you, we have a blood covenant this morning. I still believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. The Bible said, come on, the ark that Noah built during the flood, it said it had pitch on the outside and pitch on the inside. It was a tar-like substance, even the same stuff that was in Moses' little basket when he was going down that river full of animals and, and alligators. But that pitch, that substance that was covered on the inside and outside was a repellent to the attacks of the enemy. You know what that pitch represents? The blood of Jesus. And something, I'm sorry, we get too fancy or whatever. When did we stop talking about the blood? When do we stop talking about the blood of Jesus? The blood of Jesus is everything. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The reason why it was pitch on the outside and pitch on the inside, you know, inside and outside, because the blood is twofold. It doesn't just purge you, but the blood preserves you. And the Bible said, God told them, if I see the blood on your
your house, the destroyer has to pass over. I still believe in the blood of that lamb. And I remember my grandmother used to walk through and she said, I plead the blood of Jesus. She would have a broom and she would sweep, but she'd talk about, I, and I didn't understand that stuff. But she understood there's power in the blood of Jesus. When we say the blood of Jesus, that's not religious cliche. When we say the blood of Jesus, it still reaches to the highest mountain. I'm going to sing or do something. It still flows through the lowest valley. It still soothes my soul and calms my fear. The blood, the blood, the blood will never, ever lose its power. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I do it every day. Before I come out of the house, I said, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over me, over Sydney, over Shanna, and over Jacob. Everywhere that we go, today I pray for the blood of Jesus to cover us and keep us. Uh, whatever. Do you? I won't do me. But when I get a phone call yesterday while I'm studying for this message, and my wife is shaking up on her way back from Georgia when she's driving. And all of a sudden, a massive car accident happens right in front of her car. She said about 30 seconds, Javon, before it happened, it happened so fast. She said, something told me, move to the left lane. And she said, the moment I moved to the left lane, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes a car, swerves around the truck, hits another car, spins around, hits the back of the 18-wheeler. It spins and lands in the middle lane where she was and had she not slid over about 30 seconds earlier it would have been a head-on collision okay that may not mean a whole lot to you because when she said something told me I said baby that wasn't a something that's called the Holy Ghost that wasn't a something that's called the blood of Jesus I prayed for that this morning I ain't taking credit for it but when I plead the blood of Jesus I believe that it works I believe that it can prevent I believe that it can hold it didn't stop the wreck but it didn't wreck my family I ain't got too cute to talk about the blood. That's what's wrong. I love bullets, but I need the blood. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Remember my covenant. He said, remember my presence. Notice where he said my spirit. I said, come on out and start playing. He said, remember my spirit. He said, I'll always be with you. Don't forget I'm with you. The presence of problems is not the absence of God. Problems come. Where is God in this? Where is God? He's there. He's in you. Because wherever you are, he is. He's with you. Watch this. The Bible says in Romans 8, we quote this. I'm going to break something down real quick. It says, the Spirit helps us with our infirmities. It says, when we don't know how to pray or what we should pray, the Spirit makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, I do believe there's an element of that of how the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. But if you actually break that word intercession down in that particular text, it actually translates into this, a rescue plan. 
In other words, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate lifeguard who sits on the watchtower of heaven and looks down for his children. And when hell is trying to overwhelm them, it literally means that he comes down in where you are and come alongside of you, Paracletos, and help you out, up, and over through that situation. The Holy Spirit does not stand on the end of your circumstance and say, Shanna, I hope you get out. Just keep praying. Just keep hanging in there. No, he comes right there where you and I are. And he said, if I don't give the power to pull you out, I'm going to give you the grace to get through it. And you're going to, uh-oh, when you come to the waters, you won't be overwhelmed. When you come through the fire, you won't be burned up. And I'll bring you out to a wealthy place. Some of you need to hear it right now. You're in a trial of your life, but he's with you. He's with you. Javon, I'm hurting. He's with you. Javon, I don't know what I'm going to do. He's with you. I come to silence the lie of the enemy to tell you that he's departed. You want scripture? God is your refuge and your strength. Your very present help in the time of trouble. If he's ever there, he's there right now. And last but not least, everyone stand to your feet. He said, remember, he said, recall my covenant. We're in covenant. See, Ooh, we got to teach this stuff. Some of you don't even know what you got. And because you don't know what you got, the enemy can get a hold of you. What you don't know will hurt you. Every day I remind that old lying devil, I got a blood covenant, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. I got a blood covenant and God's spirit is in me. And then he said this last but not least. He said, remember my word. Remember, mine, not yours. Uh -uh. I don't need your words. Because see, my words can't do anything for anybody, but his words can do everything for everybody. He said, remember my words. My words. What did I tell you? I'm going to show you something really quick. Put up my scripture in Revelation. There's two of them. Look at this. He had in his right hand, watch this. This is is speaking of Jesus. Seven stars out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. Remember that. Next verse in Revelation. There we go. Watch this. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. That woman in the book of Revelation is a type of the bride or the bride of Christ. So the serpent spewed out his mouth like a flood after the church that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. This shows us there's the mouth of Satan and there's the mouth of the Savior. And he said the mouth of the serpent or Satan always wants to drown you with negativity, doubt, and unbelief. But he said, out of Jesus' mouth is a two-edged sword. Mm. 
the two edge comes in in your life. One edge is when God says it. The other edge is when you say it. It becomes two edge when it's not just coming out of the mouth of God, but it's coming out of the mouth of his people. And the only sword that can defeat the devil is a two-edged sword, which means that my people are saying what I'm saying and speaking what I'm saying. Come on, somebody. You got to remember his words. What did his word say about you? He wants to flood you with doubt and unbelief. So here's the thing. We got to get saturated in the scriptures again. Because if you don't have no sword, it's because you don't have no word. You can't fight him with these. It's not going to work, saints. We're living in a time. I know I'm just, I'm, I'm just being a pastor today, loving on you. you I just want to say this. We're living in times you can't afford not to get in the word. Give us this day our daily bread. You need a sword for the day. Come on, you need food for the day. I'm telling you, listen, and listen, we're living in a time that we got more access to it. Listen, it'll read itself to you. And I feel a compelling this morning to challenge you in the word of God. You don't have to read 50 chapters a day. Chapters a day. I believe in the power of one word. One word from God. Oh, we, that's what we're saying. One word. I just realized that. Hey, one word. The authority from one word from God. Jesus raised the dead. Lazarus, come forth. Three words. Sick people got up. Two words. Rise up. Come forth. Be healed. He didn't need a paragraph to get heaven to move. He just had faith in the few words that he had. Because watch this. The Bible said the Holy Spirit will recall all things to your remembrance. To your remembrance. But he can't recall what you hadn't put in. He's, call, he's trying to call up stuff. I'm like, ain't nobody there. So what am I challenging you with today? The floods will come. Luke 6 says that when the floods came, when the wind blew. You're not getting around that. I'm not speaking negativity because it's not a bad thing. Because even though the storms may come, remember who's in your boat. That's another whole sermon. You got to remember that. But what I'm challenging you with today, in the times that we're living in, you got to know that there's a flood for you. You got to remember his covenant. You got to remember his presence. You got to keep his word. That's what's going to sustain you in the times of these flooding attacks. But I believe that we're on the brink of something. Just like when they came out and they got ready to go in. That God is about to do something that's going to astonish his people. Listen, I'm not afraid. No, are you afraid, Javon? No. No. Absolutely not. You know why? Because I got a word. <laughs> I got a word. And you do too. We win. See that, that response right there? Let me know. I said we win. 
That don't mean you just sit back and wait on the trumpet to sound, but we win. Somehow, some way, all of this is going to work together for the good of them who love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. Amen? So throw your hands up and say, Jesus, I thank you that the flood that is for me is greater than the flood that's coming against me. And today, I declare that the blood of Jesus is covering me, is keeping me, is preserving me, and cleansing me. I declare that I have a covenant. I declare that I have a power. I declare that I have words that's going to keep me, that's going to sustain me, that's going to fight for me, that's going to help me to walk out the victory that you've already given me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to dismiss you, but can we go out with a little, little celebration today? Huh? We can? Let's go. What are we waiting on? Come on. I'm going to dismiss you, but I want us to celebrate today. I want us to get our spirits up. I want us to get excited about Jesus a little bit. Come on, come on. I want us to get our worship up. And we're going to just go out today praising some of you. I know you got to get your kids. You got to go do whatever. But let's just end on a high note today. Let's just end. Listen, God's already saved and God's already moved. moved. But come on, can we just declare this right now? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. But those of you that want to, we're going to just declare this. I believe he'll do it again. We love you. We'll see you back next week. God bless you. For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org slash Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.